Hey, what's up, La Familia? You crazy football-loving nutters. This is Ray Hudson, and you are luxuriating in listening to the Inter-Miami podcast with a stupefyingly magnificent Jay and Alex. Two lads who are as electrifying as a hairdryer thrown into a hot tub. Stay tuned, because you know what it's going to be. It's going to be magisterial with an amplifier. To the left, Pellegrini inside, Pizarro Golasso, Pizarro Golasso. Here's the goal scorer, Morgan. Well, at this rate, it's going to be probably like mid-season before we can complete the updated uh, intro because we really only have Campana goals right now. I really, really just want to get like uh, just someone else. I just need one other person. I'm going to have to find – actually, we could we could maybe do the Robbie one. I'm going to have to find that Robbie one and then finally update it to bring the players into 2022. But uh, welcome Everyone to uh, to the Inner Mommy Podcast. This is going to be a fun episode. I've got Than Harrington here uh, with me. How how you doing, buddy boy? I'm I'm good, man. You know how it is over here. You know the third player you're missing is Bryce Duke, though. You already have the three you need. Oh damn, we got Duke. Yeah. We got Robbie, and we got Champagne Campapi. Like and that's what I'm going to start calling going for because he is boy perfecto right now. He is hitting the stride. He is looking good. But yeah, there you go. That's that why you can be around for the big ideas. <laughs> that makes so much sense. I was rewatching the game, and uh, I it was after the 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 Campana goal. Uh, Bryce hadn't hadn't put us on top yet, and I was having the thought like, man, this is gonna take a while. But yeah, I, I, wow, okay, spaced out a little bit there. Okay, that's good. Then we're gonna have to put it up to a vote. Do they want Robbie? Do they want Bryce? Do we hang on for uh, Emerson? Do we hang on for Lasseter? We'll figure it out. I guess it's gonna be how great the uh, the commentaries. One thing I did notice is I don't want the ESPN commentators. I want. Our actual commentators, I want some Ray Hudson uh, in my life. But we are in uncharted territory right now. We're going to try something completely new. Uh, kind of figure out how to make this setup work in an interesting way. We're going to have our first ever uh, IMPC live show. We are hosting this right now in our Discord. Uh, so people are free to come and go, uh, say what they want. Uh, if they have questions, feel free to ask them. If you have topics, if you want count uh, point counterpoint rather uh, this will be fun this might be a little strange at first as we try and and wrangle uh, all these people and but we're going to start it off here just with the, the 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 title are we are we getting sick of what has now been dubbed campapions are we getting sick of papa john's is four consecutive ones is that too much cheese in one's gullet I mean, do you forget what country we live in? We pay to go to buffets to engorge ourselves on really shitty food. So if you're telling me you're going to consistently give me papillons all week, like I'm here for it. Like let's, let's keep it going. More papillons. Let's all let's all set a goal to gain 30 pounds by the end of the season. Oh, it's not healthy, but it means the team's doing well. That means we feel good. We're in a good headspace, right? Die early, clog your arteries for the team, but. I don't know, man. I like. I just do it off principle. I like the local pizzerias much more than like any of the the national chains. 
Well, I mean, yeah, you can't beat a good local pizza. I mean, you know, I don't, I don't know how it is down your way, but up here we have a guy in town who moved in from New York City, and so he makes a legit, authentic New York pizza, and I'm here for it. I'd rather have that. But if you're telling me I can also save money and, and, and maybe, you know, feed my family for less than an arm and a leg, I'm here for Papillon's, too. It, it, it's a toss-up, to be honest. That's what it is. I feel like you have to do it off principle, just just off point. Let's just roll counterclockwise of the people we have on the stage right now. Trav, how's your how's your body holding up after four consecutive uh, Papa John's in, in what feels like a, a two and a half week span? Well, does anybody have a defibrillator nearby? Because I'm going to need one on standby pretty soon. But uh, I'm loving it. You, you can't complain with the winds, even though I'm more of a Chicago deep dish guy. Uh, I'm not complaining for fifty percent off pizza. Does Papa John's Yikes. have a deep dish option? I've never seen it, to be honest. But then again, I'm not looking for second rate pizza. It's kind of hard I to find Chicago style down here in Florida. To be fair, I don't believe they have a deep dish pizza. But that's why my go to is Canadian bacon and black. You had me until you said black olives. Like I'm, all, I'm here for the Canadian bacon, but why black olives? They're just good. What can you say, black olives? Well, they're a little like a little salty, sweet, and you know they like pop in your mouth and stuff. Real good, especially with Canadian bacon. I'm not not on the black olive train, uh, Nuka. What uh, what's your go-to order here? My go-to, I mean, I'm, I'm pretty basic when it comes to pizza. I mean, if you're telling me it's half off and I get to clog my arteries on the way, I mean, you can throw whatever the hell you want on it. But um, I'm, a, I'm a meat guy. I know you've seen my size. I like, the, I like the meat. I like the protein. Give me a little bit of sausage. Give me some bacon. Whatever you're ready to throw out, just throw it on the goddamn pizza and feed it to me. Shove it down my throat. I love it. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm here, I'm here for it. I'm here for it. Give me all the meat. Let's just end it quick. <laughs> But uh, look, we, we got our fourth win, right? This is this is pretty big considering, I don't know, like at the start of last episode, I said we started off 0-5. We didn't start off 0-5, right? We drew that first game against Chicago, but in all honesty, it feels like we've just been we've been losing nonstop. And then we finally can get everything to turn around. I mean, I've heard people say, you know, some of the quote-unquote professional uh, analysts or people that work for MLS or maybe do a certain – uh, podcast in the MLS that, you know, Atlanta really is just struggling right now and that if they had a decent attack, they could have finished some extra, uh, you know, goals and, and, and converted and, and got the win. But uh, look, man, you know, it's not a perfect world. Again, we take our points where we can. Uh, we we held our own. We came out there. We fought a, another uh, good showing, I'd say, of, of really killing off a game. But the biggest I mean, news of everything is just the the emergence of Campana. This could be our guy. Um, I know that the MLS is getting a little bit more transparent on their contract deals. I'm not sure what like the buyout clause or if anything that's if any of that's already stated. I would have to assume that he probably would require a DP uh, spot here. But man, I mean, how lucky are we to have these this guy? And then, of course, on the flip side of that, what everyone is talking about is Gonzalo as well. People seem to be a little split on their thoughts of Gonzalo, kind of his uh, body language, uh, you know, this past game and sitting up in the box. But what uh, what do you what do you think here, Than is this is this the guy that we need to to really 
uh, invest in that we need to get by the end or at the end of the season rather than continue to build around or, um, you know, are we still expecting to see Iguain reclaim the starting role? I mean, I think we continue to see emergence of Campana. We continue to build off that because Jay, fun fact, he will not occupy an international roster slot because he has American citizenship. So, I think it's a no-brainer to continue to go after him and 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 hope that he wants to stay. I, I ultimately believe that hinges on getting him to the World Cup and, and fulfilling that promise that Phil kind of sold to him in order to get him over here. I, I hate to say it, but I think everybody's already thinking it. And I know it was already stated after Campana kind of had his breakout game, but this is what happens when a star does not believe that time is going to pass them by and we are watching a game quickly pass by one of and i mean you can think of whatever you want of him but one of the great players i mean in our discord i was saying earlier he he still thinks he's the king of napoli where the fans were chanting his name in unison that's not the case any longer so i don't see how the club can continue to use him in in a role that's going to be serviceable for the style of play we want to play Fair enough. Traveler, what are your thoughts? And, and let's say we, we, we do, you know, get them and, and we do exercise the, the buyout option here. I mean, how long do you realistically think that we can even keep him in the MLS? Because I feel like, and, and I know he mentioned that, you know, he's been to four teams in two years and that he, he's finally been able to break out. I mean, I, I just, he's, if he keeps this up, I don't know if we'll be able to hold him for more than a, a few years because I feel like Europe's going to come knocking at the door and uh, and want to get him in there. Well, one thing that I can confirm is that Leo Campana is currently a young DP, and any purchase option would make him a young DP due to his age. Uh, as Dan said, he doesn't occupy an international roster slot, and in reality, right now, he's probably one of the best pure number nines or center forwards in the league right now. He's lighting it up. He's playing with confidence. He's playing with swagger. I mean, just look at that first goal against Atlanta. That was a thing of beauty. Uh, And a confident number nine does that. And that's what we're seeing right now. And just go ahead. He's just oozing confidence. Yep. That's what I was gonna say, and I'm I'm glad that you know you're you're always in in the Discord to keep me in check. I it's so just the way this man looks, dude. He looks like just the prime physical specimen. He's got that beautiful chiseled chin, stubble, everything. It's hard to even fathom that. Yeah, he's still only 21. This man looks like he's, you know. 30 and, and has lived a, a solid life so far, but he is still very, very young. And then I guess the play that would need to occur, right? Because if he's going to be a young DP, we would, we would then still be able to hopefully by the end of the season, once we figure out what's going on with Pizarro, have two additional DPs. And then uh, there's that, that weird caveat where you can have three and then one. What, what are the circumstances around that again, traveler? So you can have up to three young DPs along with three, you know, regular DPs if and only if the third 
older DP can be bought down using targeted allocation money or TAM slash Garber box. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, so you can, yeah, yeah. Correct. So that's how you can manage to have technically six DPs on a team. Most clubs have kind of figured out the way to do five. Six gets a bit messy with that six one and. But four, uh, four would be pretty feasible because really you just have to have a DP that's, you know, not making, you know, six, seven, eight million dollars a year. And, you know, you can buy that down with, with your, your TAM money. So that'd be well, really five, interesting. Five is extremely feasible. I mean, that's three older DPs and now two younger DPs or well, no, two younger DPs and no, three younger DPs and two older DPs. Mm-hmm. And that's where we could see ourselves heading down a year or two whenever, you know, we inevitably go after a Euro star like Messi. That's inevitably going to happen. MLS is just so convoluted with its (laughs) its structure. It's crazy. And there's no way to track it unless you find out from the very beginning there's no knowing what it is. I mean... I've gone back and forth with probably like five or six people I know about whether Campana is a young DP or not. The club, when they signed him, didn't announce him as a young DP. I believe on the MLS website, he's a young DP, but it's just a mess. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And if you're joining just raise your hand and we can invite you uh up on the stage i know people are coming uh in and out in and out now let's flip this over i mean gonzalo man uh like johnny pointed out to me um while we're watching the games you know like look at this man like he's being a baby again slapping the floor when he didn't get the ball his way um comes on you know we hear he's in crutches today right back back to to being injured uh, I, I haven't finished the game. I think I, I made it to just before, uh, Bryce Duke scored on my, on my rewatch, but obviously you didn't really see, um, the hit anything like substantial from just the angle being in the North stands. But apparently, I mean, they're saying that it, it could be decently significant here. Um, assuming it's, it is, or he's out a couple of, like, where, where does he fit back in now? Is he going to be comfortable? Is he going to cause issues down the road of just being a super sub? Because it's really hard to fathom Phil taking Campana out of out of this lineup. Well, I mean, honestly, if you're like for me watching it on TV, when Gonzalo came on, you could tell that the team itself had a completely different feel to it. They were no longer getting up the field. They were no longer looking to make the plays up the field. But to be honest, that wasn't necessarily a bad thing because at the point of the game we were at, we were trying to kill the game off. So I don't know. I could still see him being a sub, and I could see him being you know serviceable for the club if he's coming on at that time because he still has the wherewithal to pass to be able to get the ball up the field. Uh, and if he somehow gets away and is given 50 yards of running room and he doesn't have anybody ch- tracking him down, he could probably get a breakaway and get in, get on goal and, and really ice the game. But right now, if we're trying to be that counter-attacking team with our quick wingers and Campana, you know, lighting it up in the middle, I, I don't see him getting back into that starting role unless something completely devastating happens to Leo. 
I mean, it, you, you can't take it up. This is this is one of the biggest reasons that, that we're winning right now. And, I mean, even going back to this game with, with, with no Gregory, I mean, there, there's a lot of issues uh, around Gregory, but now we're seeing the, this midfield kind of start to, to take shape. And, I mean, Mo Adams, like, just quietly putting up pretty pretty decent numbers. Um, and some people are even calling for, for Greg. Now, I know, like, the, there's some crazy fans that we definitely come across uh, out there on the – the social medias and, and, and whatnot. Um, but is Gregory someone who's, who's falling down and, and really needs to, to get his act together? Or do you see him being phased out uh, as the season goes on or anything? Johnny, I just saw you joining here. What are, what are your thoughts on all this? I'd like to say I'm one of those people that was calling for Adams to replace Gregory. So how about it? You're, you're, Adams to replace Gregory? At least until Gregory refines his form. Fair, fair. So I was actually on the opposite side, you know, not to cut you off. I I saw that the team was missing Gregory's intensity in the middle from the Atlanta match. It was very clear to me that something that sparked that pit bull mentality. And I'm not saying he's been like that all season, but the team was missing something in the middle of the of the pitch and we do not have a sub that brings that back out. Like Mo Adams, he seems like there's some days he would stop and, and and pick a dandelion and check out the butterflies in the middle of the field. Like he's not the enforcer that we need. Uh, so until we find somebody like that, I think Gregory needs to stay in, presuming he's not harming the team. As this continues, though, and, and, and you know, feel free to, to unmute yourself and, and, and jump in here because we're all up on stage right now. Um, just looking at this, I mean, 29 touches, 12 total passes, 100% passing accuracy. Seven tackles and one foul one. Those numbers, you know, at, at a glance are are probably, you know, you you'd have to kind of adjust for volume that you're seeing on some of the others. But those are pretty damn spectacular, uh, you know, numbers. Like for instance, Yedlin's at a sixty-eight point eight percent, you know, passing accuracy. And I thought this was this was Yedlin's best game of of the season. So. I think especially with, um, you know, Prezant and, and Gregory that they're really focusing on the analytics side of it. And if they're going to, you know, continue that approach, which, you know, I think it was probably some of the best acquisitions the the, the team made and, and really building out that analytics department, and of course, bringing Hindo on. But maybe, you know, maybe, maybe you're right. I just feel like, I feel like Mo Adams is kind of in the the Victor Uyoya category where he can he can hold it together as a good band aid, but he's he's not like a game changing player. He's solid, he's sturdy, but I feel like Gregory, especially last season, was was probably the brightest spot of of the team. But I, I you know he's been off this season. He's definitely uh, been off this season, and the good news is we're a little bit you know deeper to where we can uh, deal with him him being off, and he'll be back from the suspension and all that. But I saw today that we're tied for first or for most yellow cards as as we typically are. So we could get into problems kind of mid of the se- middle of the season and uh, you know trying to finish out the season. But how long does this go? Now we got to go up to to New England, right? We got to play the Reds. We we beat them the first time. They're definitely struggling, but we are playing them at home and, and still so much talent on that team. How long, realistically? I mean, you look. We got with the Reds, and then we've got. Charlotte, and then we've got Tormenta. I I definitely see think this could go at least a seven game win streak, if not more. Then it's going to get into a little bit more competition after that. But how long 
how long do you feel this 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 run of form will go on? Because we had what like a ten or eleven game unbeaten streak last year, and then we finished out the season on like a six game losing streak. I don't want to look past the Revs, you know, first and foremost. I mean, they are still a talented squad. They're just in a in a rut, just like we were, you know, part of last year, even in the beginning of this year. So I think if we're gonna if we're gonna make a run, we gotta get past the Revs and and Carlos Hill and you know Bruce Arena is gonna have that team good to go. He's gonna have them ready to play because they saw our playbook only a couple weeks ago at this point. So I, I honestly think if there's a game we're gonna trip up on, it's gonna be this one. I don't see it being Charlotte. And don't get me wrong, Charlotte fans are amazing right now. Their their team is is doing better than I think we all expected. And, and if anybody doesn't agree with me, feel free to jump in. But after that, I think we can make a run. And even if we come out of this with only one loss, and if that's to the Revs, so be it. But if we come out of this with one loss, I think we're sitting pretty good, you know. Uh, Johnny, I see you're unmuted. What do you think, man? I just wanted to piggyback on that real quick and say I agree with you with your skepticism about uh, taking on the Revs. I think the game against the Revs will turn this speech that we're having right now about our um, winning streak into a unbeaten streak. Um, the game against the Revs, it was 2-2 up until Campana stuck a, stuck a toe out and hit a ball in the middle of the scramble that happened to go in. Great play, absolutely. Uh, what is the term for it? A, a poacher's goal, for sure. But that game easily could have ended 2-2. And I have a feeling that it might. I, and I also agree, I'm not as worried about Charlotte as I am about the Revs. But to be fair, it was 2-1 inter led until we got absolutely screwed by that horrible penalty call. That is fair. Yes. I'm looking at the, the score right now. Yeah, I forgot about that one. Oof. Well, while we're on the tip affairs, because <laughs> uh, you know, this New England game was, was really when it all turned around. I mean, this was kind of our discovery coming of age for Campana. So now that we have, uh, you know, we, we we're on a streak now, a four game win streak with Campana as our number nine in number nine in this system. I think you know this. It, New England's going to get a slightly different inner Miami, a much more confident. Right? We I mean you mentioned Campana just kind of dripping with with confidence right now, and you can see that and that that golf that that touch the turn the one time. I mean everything that that's what you want from a striker who who is informed. So. I don't. I think the biggest factor is going to be what what has Bruce Arena done this week? What have what have the Revolution done this week? Because there are going from you know supporter shield winners and record season to the struggles now. If they haven't made some improvements, I think that we you know might be able to get out with you know maybe possibly even even two goals over top of whatever they put up. You know maybe three one or or two zero or something like that. I think the back line's coming together. I think the team's finally found its identity for this season and is confident in that. And you see Phil make changes into the five uh, three two to adjust to Atlanta. Like 
I don't know. I'm 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 confident about this game. I'm confident about the Charlotte game, and of course, I'm going to be confident about the Tormenta game because if we lose to, you know, USL team, that's gonna that's gonna sting. But then then it's gonna get a little harder. Then we're gonna get DC. Then we're gonna get Philadelphia, New York, Portland. So that's gonna be a May will be a, a very testing month. I think we'll have a a good early start, but then we're really gonna see exactly where we stand as we're playing teams that are you know, really more in, in full force or, or full form because that Seattle game, you know, we, we were kind of playing their 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 B squad there. Yeah, with, with me from well, – I'm sorry to interject. Um, with the Revs, I mean, I, my my biggest issue is going up to Boston playing in that – playing in those conditions, playing on the turf. You know, that that's going to cause its own host of problems. But I think if we get through the Revs game, I love our chances for the games that – follow it's especially like you know it's gonna be a great home atmosphere against tormenta and and dc hasn't been on form as much either so i think that's really gonna put us in the driver's seat and the form we're playing in it as bad as the revs has been i'm pretty confident going up to to boston and laying it on them i would say i'm confident but i also know that brandon buys back from injury so that was one of the unknown variables that we didn't have to worry about and they came to us and, you know, like Johnny, like you said, we're going to Boston. We are going up to them. Uh, it's going to be a little bit colder. I mean, we showed our composure in Seattle, but I, I'm going to remain skeptical un- until I see the result. And then after that, sure, we can talk about Charlotte and, and Georgia and D.C., and we can go on and on about that. Well, and my bigger thing is, and it's not saying that I want us to lose, but I want to see how we respond. After. Like, if you look at last season where we had those two long winning streaks, and they were immediately followed by long losing streaks, I want to see how this team and Phil Neville reacts differently this year to, okay, they popped our bubble, you know, our six-game winning streak or whatever is finally over over how do we respond i want to see that it'll be interesting i mean that's that's kind of what we haven't seen with this new squad right we've seen ourselves kind of have to to look at ourselves in the mirror and and make adjustments without uh but it's definitely something to keep in mind because obviously realistically speaking we're going to lose probably one of these games towards the uh the end of may uh matt are are you uh do you have a mic i'm pretty sure you can talk through your phone if you unmute yourself Hey guys. It can be a little sketchy with uh, like a cellular instead of Wi-Fi, so you might cut it in and out. Hey, hey guys, how's it going? What's up, bud? Uh, Yeah, so for the Revs game, I really think it's going to determine the head coach's decisions and their tactics. I think we'll see if if, uh, Phil knows how to get the best out of that game especially with Bruce Arena there. I know they're not the best team right now, but I think the head coaches are really going to really going to determine the game. So, I'm going to piggyback off what Matt said and I'm going to I want to throw something out to you guys. If if you guys didn't watch the Revolution's last match, Carlos and Bruce Arena went at it on the touchline. Do that. you think Carlos gets benched? or the open display of dissent, 
or do you think Bruce Arena allows him to continue to play because he needs him? I think history states that Arenas is going to keep him on the bench. Just the way he's been, the way he's always carried himself. I think he keeps Carlos on the bench. I think there's no way he's on the bench. I think Carlos Gale has been their best player through eight weeks on a not-so-great team so far to start the year. I think there's no way that you bench your best player, even despite that open act of dissent towards Bruce Arena. You know, I, you know, as, as Fergie ran through the ranks of the EPL and was piloting through championship and championship, there was time and time again where I mean, even Bex got benched because of open dissent and, and the player wasn't allowed to get bigger than the club. I wouldn't be surprised if Carlos is benched and, and we find ourselves going up against an even weaker side. Uh, I don't know. Jay, what's your take? I mean, you got to have some big old cojones on you to, to, to bench the reigning league MVP. I mean, it's Carlos Hill. It's like, if you want to bench him, sure, go ahead. We'll take that all day because that's going to make a, a much more, uh, you know, that that's like messing up the powertrain of a of an F one car there, man. You know, th- I mean, I I can't see it. I would not do it personally. I don't. I didn't hear every single word. I don't know what the extent of it is, but when you're having early struggles in the season, especially considering you won the shield in a record fashion last season. I think you're only shooting yourself in the foot if you're going to bench your 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 reigning MVP and, and best player on your team. Well, I would agree with you too, but would would you say this is? I mean, I mean I'm not saying Gonzalo is even near the same form, but it's almost like staring down the barrel, like oh my god, Phil has to have the the biggest cojones to sit Gonzalo because it's Gonzalo Higuain. Like I almost feel like we're to that level of like talking about Carlos and Bruce at the same time. You know, Gonzalo wasn't the league MVP, so <laughs> yeah, it, it could Gonzalo, go either way. Gonzalo has not lived up to the expectations that we had in our mind when we brought Gonzalo in. So it's, it's a little apples to oranges, me that, or to me rather. But like that's going to be the the thing to to watch on. That's going to be the interesting storyline leading leading up to the game because if he's out, then I mean our chances I think are are boosted quite a bit to to come out of there with three <laughs> points. You want to talk about apples to oranges, Stan. Perhaps you're more familiar with Bruce Arena than I am. I know he's a great coach. You compared him to Sir Alex Ferguson. Benching David Now wait. Wait, wait. (laughs) What I was implying was that the player cannot be allowed to get bigger than the club. And growing up, and you know this, growing up, Fergie would either bench you or ship you out. Like, rude. Um... Berbatov, X, I mean, we could go on and on and on. I'm saying if if I'm the coach, like even if it, okay, I'm going to go out on a limb. People are going to hate me for this. Even if it was Lewis Morgan and he did that to me and we're having that conversation, he's sitting in the pine the next match. I think so much of it too in the MLS and like the way contracts are set up and the American ownership and stuff like that, like they don't, want money sitting on the bench like that so i think it also becomes a question is how involved is the front office going to be how involved is you know management and ownership going to be saying like yeah i understand you guys had it out but we need him on the field because he's our best player and he's making the most money 
I feel like there's well, a I, similar. Or go I, ahead, Traveler. Go ahead, finish up. Like, let's say, like you mentioned, Gonzalo and Phil is Gonzalo never had that open descent directly towards his coach. Like, sure, Gonzalo's thrown hissy fits across every single inch of the pitch, but he's never literally walked up to his coach like Carl Hill did and been like, this is what's wrong. I'm making a scene in front of you to you. I don't think we've ever seen Gonzalo do that. He does a lot of pitching. I mean, I would agree with that too, but at the same time, Gonzalo, like... It's it's almost like a different culture in Miami, and, and just from an outsider's perspective, like when the Heat were doing too well, or, or when the Dolphins were doing too well, or I mean the Marlins never do well, but the players and the coaching staff like to shoot shots across the bow and never really get to the 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 core of the problem. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, because again, I'm looking at it from the outside looking in. I think what's interesting about I mean, like pairing off the same conversation. I mean. You know, you don't want the MLS doesn't want the money sitting on the bench. They don't want the the marketing schemes sitting on the bench. That's why I think this Campana and Iguain thing is just going to get more juicier as the season goes on. I mean, I, no one really knows what the extent of the injury is right now, but I feel like the you know the same way. Like it's tough to leave that much money and that much talent on the bench, especially when you're in such poor form. It'd be easier if he was you know, like if Gonzalo got benched for complaining or cussing out Phil about not putting him in early or something like that because we're, we're winning, right? We, we can, we have that luxury. We can go ahead and bench our most expensive player. But I, I don't, I just think it's a different situation considering the fact that they're doing so horrible this season. Yeah. And I, I think that's spot on. And I, th- I think the difference, I do think the difference in terms of, uh, of Miami is that, you know, they're allowed to play the card that, Oh, Gonzalo's hurt right now even though the story was against the Revs game that he pulled himself out of the lineup, according to, you know, the quote-unquote sources. But, you know, you, you see the look of, of you, you see the, the look of anger in Gonzalo's face when, when Campano scores. He has no reaction, and the camera pans over him, and he has that sour face on. You know, I think the only thing, I think the only way that the Gonzalo fiasco really ends is if Campano continues to pop off and they they give Gonzalo the the Matuidi treatment I think that was a master class of production on the MLS producing side for the uh, match broadcast I think the story was opened and closed right then and there that reaction to that hat trick he 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 did the uh, who was the NBA player not Lillard. Derek Rose hits that jumper. No reaction whatsoever. That's what Iwain looked like. You should be happy your teammates scored. And he's just stone-faced? Nah. Oh. His, his toxicity is uh, apparent. We're all aware of it. That's why the booing happened when he got subbed on. I've, I even heard some people saying that... Uh, there was some obs- some extremely obscene words being hurled at him from the West End. I I, I, I don't was, think he's got a place. There was, there was definitely a, a bit of a boo, which I thought was pretty damn uh, aggressive. I would have waited for his his, his hands uh, to go up first. But again, we'll see how this develops. I, I mean, how much is really the knee injury? How much is 
he using that as a as an excuse for for not being out there. But this, you know, I, I think one of the most important things in this sport is is to have purpose in your possession. And just going back to to the Atlanta game, I mean, this was a a fairly strange game because I felt that we were playing very confidently. I felt that we were playing very composed. Um, you know, outside of the first, like, when's that goal scored? Like, I don't know, 18th minute, something like that. Uh, it, it felt, you know, like a pretty well-balanced game. But then you look at the possession here. I mean, Atlanta had 63.3%. We had 37, 36.7%. They had 20 shots. We had seven shots of two of ours being on target, which were the two we converted, whereas they had seven shots on goal, but we were only able to convert one. Um as far as this, we were obviously productive with our with our chances, it felt like, but the possession is probably one of the lowest. I mean, I would have to look back on every game, but but probably lowest or, or second lowest we've had all season. Um, and, you know, considering the fact that we only really had two shots on goal, which were the ones that we converted, are, are you guys are you guys okay with this? Um, you know, possession with a purpose, maybe more counter attacking play, or are you guys hoping that you see the volume as far as chances, uh, you know, shots on goal, uh, improving because obviously you're not going to win too many games. If you only have two shots on goal per game. Don't fix what ain't broken. Uh, we're winning games right now. And that front three of Campana, Lassiter and Robbie has been, Spectacular, especially with, on the right side, uh, DeAndre Yedlin overlapping them. There's no reason to change from what's one. Get one or two goals, get the lead, and then the second half from the 60th minute onwards, sit in a 5-4-1 and really hurt them with the counter, like we did for the game-winning goal against Atlanta. We Turned around, there's 1-1 in the second half. We sat in a 5-4-1, got one counterattack, and that was it. I don't, I, I don't disagree with what you're saying, but having that low possession numbers isn't sustainable long-term. It's going to be so dependent on, you know, Campana continuing to score goals or front three continuing to... Uh, to perform in the way that they are. And if there's any dip in form, we're going to go right back to seeing kind of what we were seeing. Um, so I think there needs a balance. Like, yeah, we keep sticking to this because it's what's working, but we, we need to find a more sustainable model, you know, in terms of getting the ball back and keeping the ball, you know, because the fact of the matter that, you know, the stats don't lie, possession wins games, shots on goal win games. And yeah, you're going to have the anomaly that, you know, a team takes two shots on goal, one of them goes in and it's a one zero win. But, the you know, historically that's just, you know, unfortunately, it's not a sustainable model, but I think we need to enjoy it while we can, and, and it's rolling right now. Um, so, yeah, we, we got to stick with it, but I think they do need to shift into a more sustainable possession-based uh, offense in terms of, you know, possession and stuff. So, from when the sanctions were announced, and we all started understanding the, uh, the penalties that we were going to be receiving, I almost like mentally shifted my perspective of us being on a level playing field as everybody else to almost more so like to, to think of it from like a Premier League perspective. We're like a Burnley 
and we're playing against teams with more money than us. So I think naturally, it was always going to be, at the very least, while we're dealing with these sanctions, a more defensive, counterattacking focused team. Because when you don't have the big money to splash on, you know, the stars at the top of the field, you really rely on your back line and your midfield. Uh, as far as, you know, uh, Nuka, you just mentioned that if our front three dips in form, we're going to have some serious problems. Well, we've only drawn one game this entire season. It was the first one. I'm thinking about Nashville last year where they drew what felt like almost every game. And that and a few choice wins was enough to get them into the playoffs. They're also so, a defensively built team. You know, they were built for well, the backers. Yes. We were built for our, for aging Eurostars. And, and we weren't really built. This team was, let's face it, uh, kind of slapped together. You had maybe, you know, three chefs in the kitchen when you should have only had one. I get okay. what you're saying. I, I, I think the... I, I think my counter to that would be that is that we don't have to play Burnley ball because, yeah, we're, we're sanctioned and we don't have the money to throw around like some other clubs, but we have guys that are really, really, really good on the ball. Campana's really good on the ball. Uh, Lasseter, despite his inability to finish or, or really you know cross one in, it seems, is really good with the ball. Robbie looks a lot better with the ball. Moda's really good with the ball. And coming off the bench, I think Emerson might be the best on the ball. You know, so we don't have to play this. Okay, we're we're gonna sit back and then we're we're gonna rely on the counter. I think I think there's a, there's an avenue we can take to create a more possession based game. But I do see what you mean that we we kind of have to like kind of trap what Trav said. You know, we have to get those early goals and then we do have to sit back a little bit. And to cre- to credit Phil, you know the the back line has been playing phenomenally. We're playing so well out of the back right now. Um, you know, I would like it to see us get a little more out wide, but um, you know, I'm, I'm not an MLS soccer coach. So, well, here's the, so, the, the good news on this is that again, we're doing this during the sanction period. Right. I mean, I, we've got this year and, and then next year as well, but the fact that we're somehow finding the form we need to go ahead and get results with, with really zero DPs, you know, who knows when, when Gonzalo will be back. But the fact we're doing this, I think it, it, it bodes very well for the future uh, for, you know, the, the Hindo project or whatever you want to call it. But I really look forward to to not next year, but the, the following year when we're coming out full, you know, or no salary or, or budget restrictions or anything like that. And then we're either going to have – you know, we'll see what the structure looks like, whether we have two senior DPs and three young DPs or, or however they, they work that out. But I think the future um, at least is bright because although all of us like to get pissed off when this team doesn't win, although this whole fan base likes to get pissed off when we don't win, there was definitely times of the offseason where I think all of us said to ourselves internally, like, you know, these are going to be a rough two seasons, right? If we can just... If we can somehow like qualify for the playoffs, that'd be a massive win. But we we're expecting hardships. Of course, that gets thrown out the window when you're, you know, at the games and the season starts because you want the results there. But don't forget, like, we have, it, there's only positives to look at long term from here, barring any major setbacks or injuries. Yeah. And, you know, 
talking about positives and trying to take a positive and spin a positive to this. We pulled this game out and we had players with a 45.5% passing rate, 58, uh, 68. Only one player on Atlanta had a passer rating below an 80. And he was at 71.4. The rest of them were 93s, 92s, 89s, 87. And, you know, looking at the passing map, you know, it was very clear as day what we're doing. It was Marsman to Mota, Mota to Taylor, Taylor to Robbie. Or it was getting kicked up through low to uh, even to a lesser extent, Yedlin and Lassiter. We're not going to be able to pull that off all day. But you know what? Like you said, we have to embrace the fact that we're winning. We need to keep, you know, keep the faith that it's going to keep working for as long as we think it will. And when it doesn't work, uh, I think it was Trav who said, we're going to see how this team rebounds. And that could be even more exciting than what they're doing right now, in all honesty, because this team is going to have to face an unprecedented moment that they haven't had to face quite yet. And it could lead to even greater things. I mean, I personally believe it will. One thing I do like that's been consistent from, uh, you know, the past few games is, is as far as our, where we're attacking from, right. What portion of the field, even this game, you know, left side, 46%, right side, 34%, only 20% of our attacks were really going up the middle. This is kind of a little shocking to me because I feel like the, the Lassiter and Yedlin speed connection, um, you know, is, is developing well, maybe Lassiter's finishing or, or maybe ultimate decision-making skills when you're out, you know, close to the box, you're getting inside the box, uh, could definitely use some improving, but I mean, 46% uh, on that left-hand side, man. And, and we're really starting to see, uh, you know, Robbie get his confidence and he was certainly pissed off to be taken off. But, uh, you know, the, the, the outside of just really attacking down the wings, the, the part that I love the most is in our inaugural season in 2020, we just kick the ball out to Lewis Morgan. He'd cross it and never find anybody. You know, at least we're we're working the wings and then working the ball inside. We're not just crossing nonstop. We're actually looking for ground passes into the box. Eighty-six percent of our shots came from the middle. You know, not from from the right side. Fourteen none came from the right side. Fourteen percent came from the left side. But everything seems to be use the speed on the wings, work our way inside, find our target man, find Campana with his back to the goal, or or making a run, or using just the the natural physical ability he has to finish things in the middle. And, and that goes into that identity and, and the style of play that I think everyone's getting comfortable with. Now, does that change if Gonzalo comes back into the picture? I'm not sure. I feel like all the, 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 the lads are pretty happy with, with where they are right now and, and their vision on how to play and how to win games, even though to be fair, you know, we do need to work on uh, the possession a bit. I and kind of piggybacking on you know off this that I, I like how we are killing games off now finally, but in the same breath, I never really like the you know go up a goal and then just you know park the bus and 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 wait for a counterattack. I, I still believe to play you know somewhat balanced until you know you're in like the 80th or 85th minute where maybe you want to hunker down and just get through it all. Yeah, the the kind of piggyback off what you're saying one thing i noticed that we're doing a lot better now in this four game streak that i don't think we were doing a very good job above before was that we're getting our our goal score which has been combined 
lately. The ball much closer to goal in, in, in sense. His last touch isn't you know out of the box or, or, or in the midfield. He's I think we're doing such a better job of you know playing the ball into the middle and giving him that sh- that shot right in front of goal. And if you really think about where all his goals and he hasn't like ripped one from out of the box yet. You know everything has been from right in front of the goal, and I think we're doing a really good job of distributing the ball in, in that possession in, in that in that position to. And I think that's been the difference because I did not see that in the first four games. We're just you know taking bad shots from the edge of the box or out of the box or anything like that, or just not getting them the ball. Period. Well, um, and you mentioned. Uh, sorry to cut you off, Mirka. You no, know, you're good. Go ahead. Jay, you mentioned you know last year it was a lot more. Now play it out to Morgan and let him take a cross. And two of our last three goals have come from a Yedling cross out wide. So I think a bigger part of it too is we're getting numbers and bodies into the area this year, and we're hitting them with pinpoint crosses. I mean, Yedling's past two goals, his past two assists on goals have been. Insane. I mean, oh, that yeah, cross to Campana, even though it was behind him, Campana has the skill to take that down. Mm-hmm. And then his cluster, Robbie, was, I mean, pinpoint, couldn't have picked it out better, even if you were playing FIFA. Yeah. And we didn't have that last year as much as I love Lewis Morgan. Well, we didn't. but well, so well, I was referring to 2020, not. 2021 because last year we were playing Morgan as a right back so he or right wing back rather so he wasn't really crossing as nearly as much as he did in the first like in the first season it was literally just boot the ball up let him use his speed to get to it and, and crossing and whereas last year uh, we don't really have <laughs> any good I think options as far as proper service into the box we've always struggled with corner kicks with free kicks with accurate distribution stuff of that nature so uh you know Yedlin's coming in and yeah there was a little bit of hardship there right you know coming back into the MLS and getting acclimated with the team but he's he's putting on some good shows out there it's exciting I mean that nutmeg was was filthy and, and the whole stadium you know reared up uh in in that moment I mean he's the exciting player we've been craving and and uh, I said before he's gonna help He's going to help improve the youngsters that we have, but he's also going to solidify the 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 older players who are a little bit slower. He's going to give them sort of that safety cushion. We've already seen it a few times this season. Uh, you know, Yedlin, so far, and I'm, I'm throwing my hands up, but just saying so far has been a great pickup for us, I personally believe. I agree. And, look, yeah. I, I think the more Yedlin and Lasseter develop and get that chemistry together – the more lethal we will continue to be on the wings because we have speedsters. Yedlin's fast, Lasseter's fast, Robinson's fast and shifty. Uh, you know, we came out. It, it, it's weird because they showed like on the TV a four three three. The club releases a four one four one. It's 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 all kind of jumbled up. But we had McVeigh comboing with Robbie on the left side, um, which. You know, until Noah Allen can really continue to develop and we're still missing Gibbs, but that, that'll that be key. If we can get two kind of uh, symmetrical relationships here between the, the right back and, and right winger and left back and left winger, then, I mean, that could, it could be, it would just become an engine where we're comfortable on either side and then looking to the inside for Campana uh, to finish off here. I mean, I, I just, 
I think we're going to continue to develop, but I, I like the system that we're coming with now. And I think we're only going to improve as time goes on. I mean, I, I how, how, how long does this Campano, you know, goal streak, you know, go on? I mean, it feels like what it, he was involved in seven of the past goals, right? Or six, whatever the number was, it, it's, it's phenomenal. He is, seems like the focal point of the offense, which is great because he's doing it, but he's putting in the effort that Gonzalo wasn't putting in. Gonzalo wanted to just come here and poach goals. While Campana can poach goals, he does put in the effort. I don't know if anyone saw like the Techers skill video that the MLS released this week, but there were four, ML, uh, four Inter-Miami uh, events on there out of like an eight total or something like that. We were dominating it. And I mean, it, it's, it's, it's smooth and it, it's aesthetically, it's becoming aesthetically pleasing. There are definitely areas to improve upon, but I feel like for the past two seasons, it's, it's looked like we're just out there with, without a purpose and, and with no real direction of, of where we're looking to go as a team. So I would say this stays Campana's Campana's run stays as long as his confidence does. And now we've touched on that already. But guys, he's third in line for the golden boot right now. And if it wasn't for Tati blowing up and you know, absolutely destroying RSL, uh, you know, he I mean there's a couple of folks with five, but he's only one behind Jerusi and Jimenez. So Yeah, well I mean and but also he's, Tati he's good. it took Tati what? Seven games to score? It's a long season. It's about consistency. Right. Right. And I also want to say that he did it in 100 or 200, and in one case, almost 300 less minutes than some of these other players has. So if he can continue this for, I mean, we could be looking at our first ever golden boot winner. And I know it's way, 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 way too early to say that. But. You know, not not all these players are going to continue their run of form. You know, it's going to ebb and flow as the season goes on. I think Campana's young enough, he's going to continue to keep that hunger. Like, he's trying to drive towards this World Cup. He wants it more than anything in the world. Mm-hmm. If that means he has to bang in two, three goals a game, so be it. You know, I, I think... It's all up to him at this point. And all the his whole body works in like 500 minutes or something like that. It's, it's, it's absolutely crazy. I mean, keep in mind, like he, you know, he did play for in the first five games a bit, but not in, in, in the role that he's playing in now where he is the, the, the go-to guy. So, I mean, I, who, who knows what it holds. But um, let's kind of wrap up just with this topic, right? Because we wanted to, to do this show just to, to allow people to come in and, and really, you know, ask any questions or, or speak their voice. I think it's going to obviously take some, uh, we've seen plenty of people kind of come and go, have auto issues, stuff like that. So we'll, we'll work those kinks out as we do more of these in the future here. But I, I did want to do kind of a, you know, a quarterly review. We're basically quarter through the season. Um, you know, just get everyone's kind of pulse on, on where they think the team is, especially considering we had a, a very rough start, which looks like, looked like the, the sanction and, we're going to be the dark ages for the team, but uh, you know, overall, looking back, um, you know, w- with with the squad we have now, with the the eight games uh, in the MLS, with the uh, you know U.S. Open going on as well. I mean, overall picture here, what are your guys' thoughts on the team? What do you like? What are the areas that you you are still concerned about or, or still wanting to see improvement on? I'll kick it off, I guess. Um, so. One thing, and, and I think, you know, if, if you really think about it, probably every Inter-Miami fan feels the same. It's that it's so great to see Campana because he, he's, he really is the, like, the anti-Gonzalo, isn't he? he? He's doing everything that we expected these DPs to come in and do. 
and he's 21 years old, you know, an option to buy him. He plays with energy, he plays with passion, he holds himself accountable, he, he's, you know, he's clearly working well with a, t- with, with a team. You have Yedlin coming in, uh, doing the, filling in that leadership role that we expected Gonzalo, Matuidi, Pizarro, all these guys to fill in. So it, it's great to see some of these young guys and kind of these unexpected, almost unexpected heroes show up and, and really, uh, um, really step in, step into their role. And I think it speaks volume as to kind of the, the leadership of like the people handling it. And, and in a way, uh, how Phil has been able to rebound from the rough start um, to carry on. I, I, I guess I love the back line. I think the back line's playing really well. I think we're playing really well uh, back. I think Mabika and Lowe are an awesome duo. Um, my biggest concern is that it, I, I think that while we have good players in the midfield, I think they do tend to play a little too loose. I, I, I don't. I don't feel like there's a whole lot of like, you know, fluidity and and, and viscosity w- within our midfield. I wish they tight. You know, they tighten up a little bit. Um, I you know, Mo Adams is playing really well, but I saw him kind of get beat a couple times on Sunday, but. That's kind of where I stand. I, I think it's great to see the these young guys really stepping up, stepping into their role. Guys like Bryce Duke coming off the bench, scoring a huge goal. You know, guys like Emerson coming in or immediately making an impact. All these young guys that, and this is what we've been we, we've been hollering for, right? Especially like fan who really paid attention to Fort Lauderdale CF last year. You know, we we wanted these young guys to get an opportunity. We're finally doing it. We're seeing them come into their own, and you know, despite the sanctions, despite everything. We're playing very, very good football right now, and I think that's something we need to appreciate, and something that we've touched on is like when we, when we eventually lose because we won't go undefeated. How is this team going to respond? How are these young guys going to bounce back? So I'm glad they're getting this confidence early and getting settled this early in the season. I think Nuka hit pretty much everything I could have said on the nose. I'll, I think so far the. No experiment or project, whatever you want to call it, has been spectacular. Uh, I mean, sure, we came up, came off to a rough start, but oh, if you follow my Twitter, you heard me yelling earlier this season: "Give it time, give it time, give it time." Oh, these are new players in a new system, and for most of them, in a new country. It. it was all about giving it time, and now here at Week 8 on a four-game winning streak in all competitions, you're kind of seeing the fruits of that labor, saying give it time, let them build chemistry. My biggest worries going on from here is, one, can we stay healthy? We haven't yet this season had a full squad. Oh. I think Sunday was probably the biggest that bench has ever been all season. But we saw very quickly from there that oh, Gonzalo's now injured. And you can only worry, you know, who else is injured after the game. So for me, my biggest worry is can we stay healthy and can this overall young team keep it together? Can they not get down after a loss? Can they bounce back after a poor game for one or two of them? What 
those are my biggest questions heading into the remainder of the season. I guess for me, I'm if we're looking at the review the first quarter of the season, I'm proud to see that the team did not continue to hang their heads after such a uh I mean let's just call it an abysmal start. I mean we gave up five goals to Austin. Uh we gave up another two to uh LAFC, three to Cincy, three to Houston. And then all of a sudden we flipped the switch and we threw three up on the revs. Uh, a very, I don't know, you could have seen the team just say, oh, no, here we go again. We're, we're reliving our same nightmare over and over again uh, for the few of those that were there last season. So I think it's important to know that the mentality of the players that are there now is no we're not going to let this happen again rather than like i said the few that were there were like oh no we are going through this again looking looking forward i would say that my biggest concern is we are in my mind we're one big injury away from being handicapped into what we're able to do. Uh, God forbid Campana goes down or Yedlin goes down or uh, to a lesser extent uh, a Robbie Taylor or uh, Gregory or you know somebody like that. My concern is that, yes, I do believe and I'm going to continue to say the team will step up, but it's you can have players step up all day long, but you got to have the players that can also produce what the players that are injured are missing. Who is going to step up if we need a goal scorer? Robbie, I mean, sure, he he had a great goal, but we all know he's one bad comment away from 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 you know not smiling like Jay loves to see. I mean, look at what happened when he was taken off the pitch. He looked like someone you know ran over his puppy, and then and somebody else stole his girlfriend all in the same shot. Like he looked like he was a you know he looked like my toddler when I tell her she can't have a snack. That's what that's what he looked like. You know, we, we, I, I don't know. Without, you know, and I'm not going to go down the negative path too far because, you know, we spent a lot of time batting negative things back and forth. I would say for the positive, I'm going to continue to look for the youth to uh, grow, evolve. I mean, we saw the best of Mabika, uh, which, by the way, I think Taylor Twelman was calling him Ambika throughout the entire time. I mean, I know it's hard to read. Uh, off of a script, but, you know, Taylor, if you need lessons, let me know. Um, but Noah Allen as well, George Acosta, are we going to see Ascona return? Is, you know, and Trav, you know, you, you and I have talked about him before, but is Valencia even going to appear at some point? It, it's going to be fun to the, see. The answer to that, by the way, is no. He's not seeing any playtime for the first team this year, not zero. And not even just for the first team, but I'm looking through a lesser extent like uh, IMCF2 or whatever academy he could get slotted into if he ever, if he could anymore. All, all I'm saying is the team is finally doing what I, and you guys all know, you've been listening for a while, what I've asked. It just gives the youth a chance, and it's paying off. If Mabik is not in there for the past couple of games, I, I almost guarantee we give up a few more goals. So I would personally love to see Azcona and and Bryce Duke playing alongside each other because they're little short pinballs that are very shifty and uh, I think can make magic happen. 
I think as Kona too, and he doesn't get enough credit for it, he's a he's a firecracker, man. I mean, there's times uh, in the IMCF2 or Fort Lauderdale matches where someone got in his face and he was right back up in theirs, which maybe he, and I'm not saying he could bring the same physicality like Gregory does, but maybe he's like Gregory Jr.? I don't know. All in all, like putting a nice bow on everything I just said, I want to see us continue to evolve the way we're going. I want to see us continue to go down this path because as we've already said, if it, if it ain't broke, don't, don't fix it. And you know, after this generation Adidas cup, our academies are starting to gain the notoriety of, Oh, Hey, inner Miami in a few years is going to have a few good group of kids coming out of there and and we need to continue to foster that. I also wouldn't mind seeing Robbie Robinson, you know, come in for for Campana. You know, if he's going to rest or let Robbie finish out the game. If you're going to sub off Campana, I, w- I would like to see Robbie get more opportunities as a center forward. I think that's kind of where uh, his disdain may lie. Um, but you know, I think all in all, all things considered, I mean, hell of a, a better place than I thought we were going to be uh, four weeks ago. David, what's up, man? Hey, what's going on, fellas? Not much. We're, we're doing a, right now, just talking about, you know, kind of doing like a quarterly review and um, what our thoughts on are on the team, uh, you know, this far uh, through eight games played, you know, sitting ninth in the East, tied for seventh with uh, with NYC uh, FC, just separated by by goal differentials. What are your, uh, what are your overall, I guess, what's your conclusion on the, the first quarter of the season for the boys? Well, of course, it was negative at first, but uh, now, I mean, you can't complain where we're at right now. And uh, if things keep going, Neville's going to make me a believer, even though I wasn't really believing <laughs> in the beginning. Fair. I mean, it was tough to believe. I mean, it was it was a very, very tough start uh, to the season. You know, I think the first game was like, all right, well, you know, like, at least we didn't lose our first game. We, right? we, we've lost our first game the first two seasons, but... Oh man, that four game little little skid was uh was really really tough. Johnny, what are your uh, what are your thoughts on the quarter season? Bring us home on this one. All right, quarter season. Um, I was just looking at the match list or results list, I should say. I, I find it funny. We're we're at a point now where we drew the first game, then lost four in a row and won four in a row. Um, so not a lot of uh, confidence being inspired there when you look at the the big picture. But we do certainly see progress, and I'm hoping that we just carry this momentum into the next quarter of the season, really just take this, you know, one game, one chunk at a time, and uh, keep the attitudes up on that team. Okay, fair, fair. Now let's uh, let's get into some fun uh, before we wrap all this up. Because it's recorded, because people are here, we get to uh, to stick each other to the the – estimates or I guess guesses that we give. I'm going to go ahead and pat myself on the back for the 2-1 win that I called last week. Let's go with some score predictions for our second matchup with uh, the struggling New England Revolution. Let's just roll counterclockwise. I'm hoping you guys are seeing the same lineup I'm seeing. Go ahead, Than. Well, first off, I do want to put out a disclaimer that I was a little bit gone when I told Max 5 nothing. so I'm going to take a mulligan. I need to let you catch up to my wins over the past, you know, few games. Um, more than one? Yeah, because, I mean, 
I at least got close on our score counts, and you know, you never really said it's it's like horseshoes here. So I, I'm just gonna count all like the past three games as wins, because I'm fairly certain I said three one Houston. Anyways, anyways, getting past that, I'm gonna go. Huh, I'm gonna go three zero under Miami if Carlos isn't on the field. If he is, we're gonna win uh, three. Three two. Nuka. Um. Uh, yeah, it's going to depend on whether Carlos is on the field or not. Um. But uh, for my first ever Inter Miami podcast prediction, I am going to give uh, Inter Miami the win three to one, and I'll take it a step further. We get a uh, a brace from Campana. We get one from Robbie. I like it. I like it. What you got, Johnny? I'm going to go, based on the conversation earlier between Traveler and myself about the last game, I will say 2-1. There won't be a sketchy BS penalty, and perhaps that toe poke at the end goes wide. We already saw the game once. It'll play out in similar fashion. Two goals. I, I I I don't like picking goal scorers, so I won't go that far like Nuka did. But two one Miami. That's my pick. It's locked in. Final answer. All right, David. What you shooting? Well, I'm gonna be consistent uh, because it's worked so far. So I'm gonna say Miami lose two uh, one to New England, but I'm gonna put money on Miami. That's worked so far. We won every time I've done that. So I'm not gonna change up the system. Hedging your bets and paying the costs for the win. I like it a lot. I like it. Traveler, what you got, bud? I'm kind of annoyed that Johnny took the reasoning that I was going to use. Uh, I feel like i got to go 2-1. Uh, if Carl's heel isn't on the field, I, I could more confidently say 2 nothing. But as long as he's on the field... I feel like New England's good for at least one goal. That's a fair assessment. They only have one game this year where they have not scored, and that was a 1-0 loss to the Red Bulls. However, I'm going 2-0 Miami. I think there's going to be struggles. I think there's going to be a rift. I'm not going to even alter it, whether or not Carlos Hill plays. But I think we, we go up there. I think it's going to be a, a hard-fought game. Um, yeah, I'm going to go. I'm going to go two-zero. I'm just I'm feeling good. I'm I'm liking the confidence. We know Gonzalo's not coming in, so we're gonna, probably going to get a full ninety minutes uh, of Campana. And I think that the defense really uh, starts to get everything together. So I'm going two-zero, um, and I'm going to say Nikki makes a couple couple pretty stellar saves to keep the clean sheet. Uh, moving on here, just wrapping this up. Power rankings. Power rankings came out. Someone shared them earlier. I think they shared the ESPN one because we were like Atlanta was 19th. We were 20th. So now we are actually on the MLS power rankings coming in at the 18th spot. One over Atlanta United. I see this climb going. We've jumped up five spots here. Uh, and just furthermore, you know, where we are in the schedule right now, between New York City FC, who's sitting number seven, and Chicago, we all have 10 points. 
depending on what happens between Montreal, Toronto, Atlanta, there's a solid chance that we come out of here with a win and we're sitting pretty at about maybe six, around that six spot, something like that, which will be a very, very beautiful to see. We'll see how far we can climb. Uh, I don't think we've ever, I'm trying to think what our record was from last year. I want to say maybe like 15 or 14, something like that. Does anyone know that number off the top of their head? Fair enough. Fair enough. But uh, all right, that's uh, that's basically all we got, man. I, I appreciate you guys sliding through. Let's go ahead and cue this up. Uh, we will be doing these throughout the season. Uh, probably some learning pains we're going to get through here. But I uh, appreciate all of you for swinging through, asking questions, uh, listening to, to the people that will listen to this that jumped in, listened for a little bit and jumped out. Uh, be good, man. This was a lot of fun. Um, I'm going to go ahead and wrap this up pretty early because I want to go all the way around with the way we end the show every single time. So everyone go ahead and unmute here and we'll just jam out to this music because we end every episode this same way. Vamos, Miami. Vamos, Miami. Vamos, Miami. Vamos, Miami. Vamos, Miami. Vamos, Miami. <laughs> Be good, fellas. We'll talk to you soon.